And church family, I just want you to, to know we could have shared many, many more stories. I know some of you even in this room have stories about how our focus on prayer in 2023 has pushed you and grown you in that area of your life, both young and old. And so I'm excited for the little bit we got to show there, but God has been faithful across the board to our church. And we don't want to lose that, that passion for prayer that's going to be foundational for us as a church. But as we move from the specific focus on prayer in 2023, we're going to move to a focus on worship and worship of our God in 2024, but we'll never lose that heartbeat of prayer. And I would just say, too, if you haven't taken a step of faith in prayer, you've been coming here over the year of 2023, it's not too late. Continue to, to look at ways to grow your prayer life well into 2024. And let's just be honest, that might be one of the greatest ways you worship God this year is by growing your prayer life. So let's continue to be a church that prays, but let's be a church that's serious about worshiping King Jesus as well. And if you are a guest here today, we're glad that you're here worshiping Jesus with us. I uh, hope you feel uh, welcomed here, and we'd invite you to stick six with us. Stick six weeks so that we get to know you. You got to see through that video a little bit of our heartbeat and who we are as a church, but hopefully over the next six weeks you'll get to hear more of who we are and we can get to know you. All right, today what you're going to need is two things. Uh, first and foremost, primary, you're going to need a copy of the Word of God. Go ahead and open up to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, as we start a new year, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, please, when you leave today, go out to the lobby. We have some free uh, for you. You can take it as a gift and uh, start 2024 as a year reading the Bible. The second thing you're going to need is uh, the vision guide that you should have got on the way in today. This actually got our three points. So those of you that love to see your points, you can cheat and kind of look through there. But uh, it's going to take us uh, to the, the message today, but also into this year of why we do everything that we do. Now, I want to be clear and set the table before we dive into this as we talk about this year is a year of worship. This is not saying that uh, we're taking a step back from our, our goal or our mission statement. It's not saying that this is an addition to our mission statement. This is actually taking a deeper look at our mission statement as we worship. We as a church at West Cabarrus exist to glorify God, to glorify God. How do we do that? By making more and better disciples from neighborhoods to nations. Now, when we talk about worship this year, what we're doing is we're focusing on those first few words. We exist to glorify God. He has created us. He has called us. He's established his church to glorify him. So when we talk about worship, we're not adding something to the, the memorization list. We're not saying let's do something different this year. No, we're looking at our mission statement. And we're just going deeper, that we exist to glorify God. So let us worship him. Now, worship matters. Bob Coughlin in his book um, tells us this statement. He says, worship matters first to God because he's the one who is ultimately worthy of all worship. It matters to every single person in this room and in the world because we were created by God to worship. And it matters to every single believer and follower of Jesus Christ because there is no greater privilege than to worship this God and to share this God with others. And so what we want to do with Deuteronomy chapter 6 today is let it kind of be a template to us as a church to us as, uh, as individuals on what it looks like to worship the Lord. So you follow along with me. Deuteronomy 6 will begin in verse 4 and we'll go through verse 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, 
with all of your soul, with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. Merciful, mighty God, we praise you for your faithfulness to us in 2023, and we look forward to experiencing your faithfulness in 2024. We ask that you would create in us a heart of worship. Lord, this is what you've created us for. This is what you've called us to do through your word. And so, Lord, we know that that worship starts with what we love. So I ask that today and this year that you would stir our affections for the things that are good and satisfying to our souls. Lord, help us to, to worship you, the eternal God, knowing that the temporal will ultimately never satisfy us. Lord, help us to worship you in in new and in different areas in our life, some areas that we've never worshipped you before. And Lord, we need your help to do that. So would you quicken our minds to understand what worship is, quicken our minds to to rightly worship this morning, but also for the rest of our days. We ask that 2024 would be a year that's marked of, of a deep, rich sense of awe of you, love of you, and a worship of you. Let me invite you in this time of silence now to to pray and ask that God would stir your heart to worship Him this morning, but also throughout this year. Pray that now. Lord, thank you that you hear our prayers. We confess that we have no idea uh, what 2024 holds for us, but we know that you do. And in your sovereign hand, Lord, we ask that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would cultivate in our lives a heart of worship for you, for our good, but for your glory. It's in your name we ask. Amen. All right, kind of three avenues for which we're going to worship the Lord this year. Kind of three objectives that you'll see in that handout, all coming from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And the first one is this. We this year desire as a church to worship the Lord through hearing and believing. Worship the Lord through hearing and believing. Now, in verse 4, when I read it, we don't kind of see it stand out as this, but when it says hear right there in verse 4... This is an exclamation point. They didn't have exclamation points in the language of Hebrew that this is written in. We put it at the end of our sentence. They're putting it at the beginning of the sentence. They're saying, here, listen, pay attention. This is extremely important. Listen to what I'm about to say. And it's important for us to worship the Lord through our hearing. Sometimes we miss worshiping the Lord because we're not listening to the Lord. 
I mean, some of you wives know you've told your husbands to do things like over and over and over again, and they're just not paying attention. They're not listening. They're not taking it in, right? I feel like there's probably many times like that for God where he's speaking to us constantly, and we're just zoned out. We're not listening. Our ears are kind of stopped. Our lives are so busy. And right here in this passage, he's saying, pause, listen, this is important. This is important. The whole passage that I just read right here is named after this first word. The Hebrew word is Shema. And any Jewish person would know what Shema is. It's these verses, listen up, pay attention. God has been speaking to us, and the first thing we have to do is we have to listen to the Lord. We have to listen to his word. We have to know what he's saying, that we would rightly respond to him in worship. Listen to him. Now, we need to listen because what it says is important, but we don't need to just listen. We need to believe. And it's going to tell us what to believe. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's not many gods. There is one God. There is one Lord. And we have the joy over the next couple of weeks is we're actually going to look at the Trinity and what that means to worship the Lord as one. We're going to look at the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit each Sunday, kind of taking and unpacking that a little bit more to understand rightly what God is telling us about himself, that he is one. Oh, that we would understand and grasp this and not just know the fact, not just know the truth, not just hear it, but to believe he is the Lord. He is God. He is one. Now, it's extremely important that we understand truth, that we have right doctrine, but we can't divorce doctrine. We can't divorce our mind from our heart. God's going to tell us to listen. God's going to tell us to believe, and those are worship to him. But he's also going to tell us to love, to love the Lord. Did you see that in verse 5? We shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. So yes, know that he's the Lord. Know that personal name of God, that he's our God. Know that he is one. Yes, know all these theological truths and the depths of them. But do not divorce them from the love of the heart. You see, there's a very fearful passage when you get to the back of the Bible in the book of Revelation where it talks about there's this church, Ephesus, that has all the knowledge. They have all the doctrine. They're actually kicking people out of the church for not holding to, to right doctrine. And yet God comes down hard on them because they've lost their first love. They've lost their love of the Lord. And so, church, this year when we worship, we're going to hear what God's word says. We're going to cling to that truth. But we're going to allow it to be from our heart. This is so important. So important that we grasp that this is a heart and an affection issue. I mean, imagine if you uh, saw my wife and I on a date night. We're out enjoying a really nice dinner. Uh, it's candlelight and we're talking back and forth and uh, we're kind of laughing and and, and you just kind of see that from a distance, us having this conversation together. Um, I doubt any of you would, would kind of sit at the distance and say, hmm, yes, those are two homo sapiens taking in nutrients for the preservation of society. Like, you wouldn't say that. No, why? Because there's a, there's a love there, right? Now, now, is that true? Are there two homo sapiens there? Yes. 
Are they taking in nutrients and eating? Yes. Is it to, to preserve our society in some sense? Yes. All that's true, but there's something much, much deeper. There's a heart of love for one another. And the same should be true of us. A lost world who doesn't believe in this one God should not look at you and be like, well, he knows all these facts. He gets all this. No, they should see a love and a fervor and a passion from your heart that overflows from worship. Because you're hearing God's truth. You're believing God's truth. You're loving the truth of God. Oh, that we would do that. Now, here's, here's the burden that I feel as a pastor. Here's the burden. I've, I've prayed for you guys for this year and specifically for today. And I don't know how to make you love something. I don't. I wish I did. I wish I knew, like, here's four steps to make you love the Lord. I can't make you do that. There's been things I've been trying to get you, some of you, to love for years. I've been trying to get many of you to love the New York Yankees, the best baseball team, right? Love the Yankees, and still some of you mock and make fun of me when they miss the playoffs like last year, right? Well-deserved. I've been trying to, for years, to get my wife to enjoy and love the Lord of the Rings movies. She still won't watch more than three minutes without falling asleep, right? Like, I can't make her... Love those things. And so the burden that, that I feel and that we as a pastoral team and staff feel is we don't know how to make you love something. But this we can promise you. That this year in 2024, we're going to give you every opportunity to worship God by hearing the word of God. By hearing the word of God and then give you an opportunity to believe that truth. We're going to pour it on rich and thick, and then we're going to pray that God stirs your heart with affection. Now you see in the, the vision handout that we gave you coming in, that this first objective is mentioned here, worship the Lord through hearing and believing, and then you see these, uh, these different avenues for which you can hear the Word of God, and have the opportunity to believe and to respond with love. Now, small groups, we talk about them often, and we're never going to stop talking about them because it's so important. Small groups is going to give you a chance to, to read the passage that we talked about on Sunday morning again, hearing God's word, and then allow you to dialogue and to wrestle with some of the struggles that you might have with what you just heard in God's word, how to apply it, what does this mean, how, what do I do with this, how do, I, how do I live this out? Small groups are meant to be that way. I mean, Sunday morning, this is kind of like the 30,000 foot, this is what the passage is saying, but small groups are boots on the ground to be in our everyday life. And so really encourage you, if you're not in a small group, start this year getting connected to a small group. And then you'll see several retreats in here. You've got the men's retreat, you've got the student retreat, which is student camp, and then you've got your ladies retreat. Every one of these are not just like a, hey, we just wanted to throw something else on your calendar. We hope you stay as busy as possible. No, we're all busy. We all have things going on. We put these events on here to give you a chance to get away to, to get focused on God's Word, to, to maybe slow down enough to where we can listen to what God would say to us, and that we would respond in worship. And each one of these retreats are targeted on us worshiping the Lord with our lives. And then you see also the, the summer camp, or summer classes, rather. Some of you are in the winter classes right now. Glad you're doing that. The summer classes, uh, when our small groups are on pause, this will give you a chance to get into a specific topic. And our topics this summer are going to be framed around worship. How to worship God through um, our finances. How to worship God rightly through how we think about our sexuality, 
how to, how to worship God rightly as we read his word. How do we read God's word in such a way that's worshipful for our hearts? Each one of those classes are going to revolve around how we take a step of faith forward and worship to the Lord. So please hear my heart. We're not just trying to fill up your calendar. We're trying to equip you to accomplish what God has called you to do. So I can't make you love something, but I can promise you we're going to give you every opportunity to hear the word of God, to believe it, and to worship him through it. And you see the statement under point one. It's kind of the application point for this point. To ask yourself this question. And it's written in here because I would encourage you to, to reference back to this question throughout the year. Am I hearing and believing God's word, or am I living in apathy or doubt? Sometimes we hear God's word and we, we choose not to believe it. We choose not to respond to it, and we're just kind of apathetic to it. Or we have doubts about it, and so we don't even wrestle about it because we're struggling with our doubts, and so why should I even come before the Lord? There's a passage in the Bible that this man comes to the Jesus and he says, I believe, would you help me with my unbelief? We hope this is one of the areas that small groups allow us to do. I believe, right? But I just don't understand this. All that our hearts would not become numb, but be fueled with love and worship for the Lord. Oh, let that be our goal in 2024. And the second objective I want us to see is that we should worship the Lord through his word and our words, or with our words. Worship through his word. If you look back at Deuteronomy 6, this is the call for us, that we worship God with everything that we have. And then it says in verse 7, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. That means we don't just hear God's word. We don't just believe God's word. We respond to God's word with our words. That we would, yes, listen to his truth, that we would respond to it, but it is his truth that we stand on. And it tells us in verse 6 that these words that he's spoken, that he's commanded you today, shall be on your heart. What are these words that he's talking about in verse 6? These are the words of God. These are the commands of God. These are the statutes of God. Let these words be on your heart. God's word is practical and profitable for all of our life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, that all scripture is breathed out by God. It is his word. And it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person of God may be complete Equipped for every good work. <clears throat> now, we'll get a chance to unpack this because we're going to actually go through 2 Timothy in 2024, the entire book. But let me just summarize this one verse very quickly this morning. What this is simply saying is that God's word supplies all that we need to live worship-filled lives for God. Everything that we need is in here. And sometimes... It's hard to find that, but some of the best treasures are found by digging deep into the ground. Some of the best treasures of gold that we find in God's Word is by digging deep into His Word. All that we would let our lives be founded upon His Word. And notice in Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, it tells us that these words shall be on your heart important. It doesn't say that 
Let these words uh, be written on just the wall of your house. Let these words be found on a page in your house. Let these words be, be found just in a song that you might play. No, let these words be in your heart. All that we would love God's word. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of the Bible. And it is all about God's word. And in there, it says multiple times that we would delight in God's word. That we would love God's word. Can we just be honest for a second? I mean, how many of us can remember the last time that we loved God's Word? That we didn't just know some fact, but that we treasured it on our hearts. That when we went through those difficult, depressing times, we remembered the Word of God. We loved it, we treasured it as truth, as what it is. God is telling us these words are not to remain here, but to be in here. So again, I can't make that happen for you, but I can promise you that we will be a church that will proclaim the word of God faithfully. And I know that seems like a given, it should be, but in our culture and our time, there are many churches that do not proclaim the word of God because it's difficult, because it's hard, because it doesn't Uh, flow uh, easily on our ears sometimes, but we are going to be faithful as a church to proclaim the truth of God's Word. So you see under point two in the handout here, the sermon series that we're going, are going to be heading through this coming up year. I'm just going to walk you through it. I'm excited about it. I hope it makes you a little excited about it, but I've already mentioned it, the vision series, the next six weeks, we're going to talk about the Lord in whom we worship, the one God, and then we're going to talk about how we worship Him. And we're going to look at those different categories that Deuteronomy 6 gives us. With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might, what does it mean? And each week we're going to look at one of those things and talk about how do we worship God practically with our minds, with our hearts, with our might. And who's the God in whom we worship? So we're going to do that. And then after we finish that series up, we're going to go through a series called Practical Worship. Because a lot of people say the biggest reason I don't read God's Word is because it doesn't apply to my life. And I hope as we walk through the book of James, we'll talk about practically what it means to worship and praise God. James is one of the the simplest books to understand. Uh, This is faith, and faith has works with it. So we're going to walk through that and what that means for us. And then I'm excited about this. This coming up summer, we'll go through a series called What Makes Me Worship. What Makes Me Worship. The reason why we called it that is because our pastors have thought about this and they've put together several passages that stir their hearts to praise and to worship God. So they've thought about kind of times and seasons in their life where it was difficult to worship God, and this certain passage stirred their heart to praise and worship Him. And we just want to share that with you. We want to be personal and share this is where we were, this is the passage that helped us, that we would worship the Lord. And so through the summer months, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at different passages that stir our hearts to worship Him. Then when we finish up the summer, we'll come back and we'll be in 2 Timothy going through a church of worship. If you go and you read the book of 2 Timothy, it's a really short book. If you don't know where to start and you're trying to read this year, start in 2 Timothy. Just start opening that and reading that. It's just a few chapters. But it tells us, the, the writer of that, Paul, writing it to Timothy, tells him, I've written all of this so the church would know how to worship. And we at West Coast Church... We want to be based on God's word and what he's called us to do. And so we're going to look at what 2 Timothy would say to you and to me about how we worship as a church. 
And then you see uh, that all may worship. And this is going to be our mission focus week where we take two weeks to go from neighborhoods to nations. And the intentionality is that we would want to share the gospel that all may worship him. And then the last two, you've got hallelujah. We're going to look at the Psalm 145 through 150. And all of those are framed with praise the Lord, why we should praise the Lord and what it means to praise the Lord. So we're going to look at what it means to worship him, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And then last, I know I'm about to talk about Christmas. you got Christmas here and some of you are like, I haven't even paid off my credit card bill yet for last Christmas, right? Uh, but we're going to look at a worship guide to Christmas. And what my heart behind this is, is that next Christmas, as we end this year on worship, we talk about very tangible, practical ways at Christmas time that we would worship God. And so it's not going to be kind of your normal Christmas series. This is going to be like, how do we worship God through forgiveness? How do we worship God with, uh, with generosity? There's several topics that we'll cover, but it'll be framed around all these things God's Word has told us. This is how we worship Him. And Christmas oftentimes is a time where we need more forgiveness. We need to be more generous. And so we'll focus on multiple topics on how we worship God at Christmas. Now, once again, these are all great topics, but it only matters if you're here to receive it, right? If you're only here to listen to the Word. And I would encourage you, there's only 52 days out of the 365 days of this year. God has given you, or He's going to give you, 365 days. Well, would you make a priority for 52 of them to hear the Word of God, to believe the Word of God, to love the Word of God, to, to look to worship God in new and better ways this year? That's going to take priority. That's going to take intentionality. All oh, that you would be intentional to praise and worship God through His Word. Now, Point two doesn't stop with only his word, but also with our words. Why? Why do I say that? Because that's where the next verse takes us in Deuteronomy 6. Verse 7 says, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. Oh, it's not just that we hear God's word. It's not just that we listen to God's word. It's not just that we believe God's word, but that we would share God's word. That we would teach others of God's truth. And I'm telling you, this year has just started, but this is already cultivating my life and changing my life. I mean, I've been sick this week. I haven't been feeling well, doing much better now, and I'm thankful for that. But last night, we're getting the kids ready for bed, and I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to, you know, read the devotion tonight and read the Bible and pray. I'm just tired. I'm just ready for bed. And this verse comes back to my mind, that we would teach them diligently to your children. Diligently. It doesn't just say teach them whenever you want to or maybe teach them a little bit here and there. Like, no, be diligent. Be fervent to teach them. And for some of us, this will be the greatest act of worship for you this year is that you would just say, when I'm tired and when I'm exhausted, I'm still going to choose to worship. When I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I don't want to go hear God's word, I'm going to choose to hear God's word. I'm going to make a choice. All oh, that we would be diligent in this, that we would share this truth with others. Now, we also want to worship God with our words because His Word commands it. His Word commands it. Psalm 96, you'll see it on the screen. You can turn there in your Bible if you want to. But this passage tells us, commands us, calls us to lift our voices, our words, in worship to Him. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. All the earth. That includes all of us, Right? That we would worship and praise him. We sing because God commands it. We use our words to praise him because he commands it. 
And I'm thankful for that. He doesn't say sing if you're a great singer. Worship God if you have the talent to do it in words. No. He just says make a joyful song to the Lord. Well, that we would sing because he calls us to do it. And then it tells us to sing to the Lord, to bless his name, to tell of his salvation from day to day. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Singing to the Lord isn't ultimately about the blessing that we receive. No, it's the blessing that we give to him as we praise him. So some of you are like, well, I don't like this song, and I don't like that tune, and I don't like this. But is it truthful? Is it singing to the Lord, or is it singing to you? Well, God has called us to sing to the Lord and to bless his holy name. Our worship team that's up here, this is, this is not an entertainment for you. They are, they are wonderfully talented, and I'm thankful for them, but they're, they're not here to just do a good show for you each week. We're not trying to look like the culture. We're doing what we're doing because God calls us to worship. And our team that's up here, they are just the, the railroad tracks to keep us in line with the worship. But our hearts, our mouths are the engine, the, the, the fuel, the, the flame in which we praise the Lord. And so our team is up here to, to help lead us into the presence of God that we would lift our voices loud and worship him for he's worthy of our worship. Why, why, is he, why is he worthy of our worship? Psalm 96 tells us to tell of his salvation from day to day. We worship and praise God because he has given us salvation. And we speak of it, we use our words to worship and praise him from day to day. It doesn't just say on Sunday, it's every day. The gospel, the reality that we have been saved, this is not the ABCs of faith. Oh, I've, ABCs of faith, I've got the gospel, check, let's move on. No, it's the A to Z of our faith. Salvation is crucial to why we worship today. And so may we worship him with our words in response to his word. May we lift up our voice and praise him because he is worthy of it for the salvation that he has given us. So may we worship him. And I don't know what that looks like for, for every person in this room, but you do. What's that step of faith, of worship that you need to do this year? And is it, I'm finally actually going to open my mouth and use my words to praise God? Is it that I'm going to actually listen and engage and allow my heart to be fueled in such a way that I'm not just speaking words and then leaving, but both it's my heart and my mind that are engaged in worship? What kind of step of faith would God call you to with your words to worship Him this year? Now, we have one night, and one is not sufficient, but every Sunday we're together to worship him. But we have one special night of worship on November 24th. I know that's a long time from now, but we chose that week intentionally because that's leading up to Thanksgiving. And what we want is that us going into Thanksgiving is fueled with a heart of gratitude for the Lord and what he's done. And so leading into Thanksgiving, what we're going to do is we're going to Meet here that Sunday night, and we're going to worship and praise God in different ways and loud ways and creative ways that we would have our hearts stirred up with affection to worship God with our words throughout that Thanksgiving holiday and well into Christmas. And so mark your calendar for November 24th. That's going to be a sweet night of praise and worship to the Lord. Now, the last thing, the last objective that I have for us as a church going into 2024 is that we would worship the Lord through our lives. Now, I've just talked a whole lot about singing to the Lord and using our words for the Lord. 
But I pray, I hope that you see this year that worship is far, far, far greater than just what happens in this room. Worship can start in this room, but it should not end in this room. It's meant to be our whole life of worship before the Lord. Did you see that in Deuteronomy 6? It says in verse 7 there, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. What is that talking about? It's saying with your whole life, with our whole lives that we would worship God. He's just said to love God with all of our hearts and all of our soul and all of our might. That's all of you. And then he's saying, now it's all the time. So if you're like, should I worship God when I sit down? Yes. Should I worship, worship God when I'm walking, when I'm traveling from one place to the next? Yes. Should I worship God when I lay down and I go to bed at night? Yes. When I wake up in the morning, should I worship God? Yes. It's all of you. All the time. We would worship God with all our lives. Now, you might be here and say, yeah, 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 Ryan, I already get this. I know God is important. There's a survey done by, by Barna not too long ago, and it was interesting. They, they interviewed uh, different people who profess to be believers and asked them the question, do you believe that God is important to your life? And many of them answered yes to that question. But then when they asked them several other questions about how they spend their time or how they spend their money or what they think about God wasn't a part of any of those. So we can say, yes, God is important. Yes, we should worship him. But it's, it's got to change our life. It's got to include how we live, all of us. I believe wholeheartedly that our lives would get much, much simpler if we would just ask one question before we made decisions in our life. If we would just ask ourselves, what would glorify God best? What would glorify God best? I mean, for me, I used to ask questions like this for making decisions. These aren't bad questions. I just think we need a change of mind. I used to ask things, do I have time for this? Is this something that I, I enjoy doing? Is this a bad thing that I shouldn't do? And like I said, those are great questions. But the question is, what would be most glorifying to God? What is God calling you to do that would be most glorifying to Him? If you look at your time and your money and your, your energy and your effort, all that stuff, you would look and say, God, what would be most glorifying to you and help me to do that? Oh, that we would live that way. Why? Because God has created us to worship. God has called us to worship. Some of you, you might be like, well, Ryan, that's, that's great. God's called me. He's created me to worship. We're moving forward to worship God this year in 24. Like, that's great, great. I, Ryan, is it, I, why is that great? Why, wait, why is this a good thing that, that we are supposed to worship God? And as I've looked through the pages of Scripture, I believe that God's Word answers why it's such a great thing, such a good thing for us to worship Him. And it's because He's created us to worship, we will try to fill that, that void in our heart with all these different things in the world, all these temporal things that won't be able to satisfy our soul. And God's saying, no, 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 no. That longing that you have, it's a God-shaped hole. The only way you're going to have that fulfilled is by coming to me. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Some of us have pursued, we wouldn't call it worship, but we've pursued worship in our life of pleasure. Something that makes us feel good. Something that gives us that joy and that excitement in which we want. 
And then we continue to drink that salt water, and we're continually thirsty. So we go back to it over and over and over again, and we cannot find the joy that we long for. Psalm 16, verse 11 says this, you make me to know the path of life. You give me life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. Not just joy, fullness of joy, complete joy. And at your hand are pleasures forevermore. We want joy. It's by worshiping the one who created joy and can give joy. Some of us are desiring satisfaction. We just want to be satisfied. We don't even want the new bells and whistles and all the joy that they bring. We just want to be satisfied with what we have. Psalm 145 verse 16 says that the Lord, you open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. You want your heart satisfied? Then look to the Lord. And it doesn't just say that he'll, he'll satisfy the desire of one person or just a few people. Literally, all he has to do is open his hand and he could satisfy the desire of every living thing. This is why he's worthy of our worship. This is why it's a good thing for us to say, yeah, let's worship him. Oh, God, God also gives us peace and comfort. Many of us have been pursuing that in all these different places, and we continue to be worried and anxious. God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. I don't know what your affliction is, what your difficulty is, what your hardship is, but you're not going to find the comfort that you long for or you won't apart from God. You're just not going to find it. You won't find the peace that you long for apart from God. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace. Not just peace. Perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Oh, if you want peace in your soul, in your mind, in your heart, in your life, it comes from, from him. That we would let our minds rest in him. Hear the word of God, believe the word of God, love the word of God, and there we find rest. Some of us are longing for forgiveness. Your soul hurts because you want forgiveness. And maybe the person you hurt has forgiven you. Maybe you're like, well, Jesus has forgiven me, but you haven't even forgiven yourself. You need to know that our God comes to you with grace and mercy and forgiveness. Psalm 103 tells us this, that as far as east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. He removes our sins from us. And this is so important. This is so important because this is what's going to stir our heart to worship and praise the Lord. Knowing this is the God in whom we worship. Deuteronomy chapter 6, later on in the chapter, verses 20 and 21. What you find there is that it says that there's coming a day when somebody's going to ask you why you even worship the Lord. Why you care about his word. If you really are, are diving into this and you're going deep in your worship this year, somebody's going to ask you, why do you live like that? And so Deuteronomy 6 knows that day's coming for those people. And so it tells us in verse 20, when your son asks you. It could be anybody, but he's saying as your kids. As your kids see your life and they ask you in the time to come, what's the meaning of all these like testimonies and statutes and rules and commands of the Lord our God? Like, why, what's the deal with all of that? Why do you do that? Why do you worship God in that way? The answer to that question is not so that I'm a better person. Like Jesus just takes good people and he makes them better. No, that's not what the Bible says. 
He takes wretched, lost sinners, and he makes them whole. He takes people that are far from God, and he brings them near. He is a rescuer and a redeemer. And so the goal this year is not, well, worship the God so that you're looked in better standard than him. So maybe you kind of tilt the scales when you get to heaven, and Jesus will let you in. No, no, we respond in worship because our God has saved us, which is where verse 21 takes us. And 20 says, why do you do all these things? 21, you shall tell them. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And then he goes on for the next few verses to talk about what that means. What he's saying is, when somebody says, why do we listen to these things? Why do we worship to this God? Because he saved us. And those people at that time remembered when God brought them out of the slavery of Egypt by the blood of an innocent land that was put over the doorposts that they lived in their house. And Jesus comes on the scene and is the, the substance to that shadow. And it's not just his blood that's put on the, the wood of a doorpost. It's his blood that is shed on the cross for us as he died for our sins that we could be forgiven. And so we worship and we praise God because he has died in our place for our sins. This is why we worship him. Because he is the mighty God who rose from the grave defeating death and sin that we could worship him forevermore. So church family, what I want us to do as we enter into to this goal, this plan in 2024, is I'm going to ask our worship team to go ahead and come back up here, and we're going to look at God's word in Psalm 148. 148. God's word calls us right here to praise and to worship him. And he's going to tell us how we worship him and, and why he's worthy of our worship, but it's a call for us to praise him because he is the one who, was, who went to the cross for our sins and defeated death for, our, for us. So listen to the word of God and let's respond and praise to him this morning. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all you shining stars. Praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all depths, fire and hell and snow and midst, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above the earth and heavens. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sing a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with a tambourine and a lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly extol in his glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of their God be on their lips. 
the two-edged swords in their hand to execute judgment and vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people. Let them bind the kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the judgment that was written. This is an honor for all the godly ones. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and a pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. West Church, let's stand and let's praise the Lord. Let's stand out and praise him.